Welcome to another episode of the Scaling Creative Podcast. We're thankfully chose to be with us today, and I'm excited about this episode because I get to call you guys friends, but you're also just entrepreneurs and just incredible people to be around. So I want to welcome to the podcast today, good friend Dave Wise, Annie Nab, and you know Allison from the previous podcast. Today we're going to talk all about the entrepreneurial roller coaster and the ups and downs that, no question, especially during this time, are inevitable. So first of all, welcome to the podcast. How's it? How's everybody doing? Doing great. How are you, Scott? Doing great. awesome. Good to be Glad here. to be here. Yeah. First time ever on a podcast. Ever on any podcast? Any podcast. So you've been on a lot of television what? things, but this first podcast. Yeah, I know. I'm going up in the world. How here about we go. that? This is, you know, quite the podcast to start on, you know, millions and millions of people every single week. Just kidding. <laughs> so Dave, take a second first to introduce yourself to the podcast, a little bit about what you do and who you are. Yeah. So um, I'm a serial entrepreneur. I love business. Um, we currently own uh, six 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchises in four different states. And we own an ad agency. We own uh, a thrift store, a demolition company, and... Uh, some real estate, other kinds of crazy stuff. The biggest mix of of, of companies ever. So tell what is one eight hundred got junk for those people that don't know that. So yeah, so one eight hundred got junk's a full service junk removal company. It's a franchise. We're based out of Vancouver, Canada. That's where all the calls come into Vancouver, Toronto, um, and we basically go into people's houses or business and remove all the junk that they don't want anymore. So you know when the stuff starts piling up in your garage and you're like, I can't park my car in there anymore. Um, we can come out, clear that out, and get your space back. So uh, it's actually been around since 1989. Um, Brian Scudamore started it. Who's, he has a great story. That could be a whole podcast by yeah, itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, but he was going through McDonald's and said, hey, I think I could do this. Started a company called Rubbish Boys, converted it to 1-800-GOT-JUNK. Um, and right now there's uh, 156 franchises over Canada, Australia, and the U.S. And how long have you had them? So I actually started back in 2006. And uh, at that time, I, I jumped in part time, and then 2010 is actually when I started in the business full time. So it's been a crazy journey so far. That's awesome. So what, what are so the other? What has made you get into so many random businesses? Yeah. Like, uh, or or what what made you get into junk removal? Like, why did you think that that was a good idea? Yeah, actually, I thought uh, junk removal was a terrible idea. You know, <laughs> my mother in law actually saw a, uh, a truck at King of Prussia Mall. And she's like, hey, this is a, the best idea you've ever heard of. And uh, I was like, that's stupid. Who would ever pay to get rid of junk? And uh, I went on their website at the very beginning where it kind of like explains, you know, what a day in the life of the franchise partner is. It's like a little cartoon or whatever. But it was kind of like you get into the office and uh, you meet with your team and your guys. You get them all pumped up. And then you go out and do marketing. You put on this blue wig on your head and stay on the curb and wave at people as they drive by just to create commotion um, and brand awareness. Because back then it was really big, the gorilla side of stuff. We didn't have the money to pay for the ads, et cetera. And uh, then you maybe go to a realtor's office, talk to some realtors, and uh, you know, end back with your guys at the end of the day. And I just went through this video and I was like, this is so cool. It'd be so awesome to be part of this and, and do all those things like, for me, I'm ADHD, LMNOP. Um, <laughs> I, I can't stay concentrated on one thing for too long. So yeah, we're going to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, that just made tons of sense to me. And uh, we, we contacted them and started talking to them about, you know, what it's like. And they said uh, it's going to cost $100,000 to start a franchise. And I looked at my bank account. I had 
$1,200. I was like, well, that was a stupid idea. Um, and the $1,200, uh, it, it's all I got. I was making good income, but I didn't have the money. And then about three months later, they called me up and they said, hey, Dave, uh, we have some other people from the Lancaster area coming up to buy franchises. What if we paid for you to fly up here? I was like, hey, free trip to Vancouver. I've never been there before. And we were able to uh, to fly out there, go through their whole experience. And they said, great, you know, we're going to give this other person a franchise first, but we'll give you a second franchise. And I was like, how am I going to make this work? So we got a home equity line. I really don't know how we came up with the yeah. money. My dad actually worked free for the first year uh, running it. And uh, somehow we, we cobbled enough together to be able to make it happen to our first year in sales. And then, you know, it just blew up from there. That's crazy. So Annie, welcome to the podcast as well. Introduce yourself a little bit. Thanks for having me, Scott. Yeah. yeah so I started working for David right out of college. So I graduated in December um, and I started as the director of recruiting okay. for all his 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchises. Um, so we recently brought on a new recruiter. So that's going awesome. And I'm kind of transitioning into some marketing ninja roles, as we like <laughs> to call it right now. Not even totally sure what the job yeah. title would be, um, but it's super exciting just to learn about the, the junk businesses and the advertising firm and everything. So many, so many different hats to wear, but it always yeah. keeps things interesting for sure. And you're an entrepreneur at heart too. Oh, I know, absolutely. I know that's inside. That's why we want to have you on because I think we all have these interesting different ideas and things that always float about. So mm -hmm. it's, it's cool. Well, thanks for, thanks for being here. I definitely want to talk. And Alice, I guess we should probably, just for those who just joined this podcast for the first time, Allison, hey, introduce hey. yourself. Uh, my name's Allison. Hello, guys. Yes. Um, actually, I just hit my one year here. That's right. Woo! Yeah, but right. it's been such a fast year, you know? Is, like, oh, the first of all, year. we had five months ripped from us that doesn't really feel like yes. real life. Uh, Still being ripped from us, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Um, I've just been doing some editing, shooting, learning a whole lot this past year. Got to be on some podcasts. Mm -hmm. Excited to be on some more. So yeah, no cake yeah. for your one-year anniversary? I didn't get cake yet. Or balloons? Yet. No. Uh, no, no balloons. But she just got a house, too, and that's way more exciting. So you bought her a house? What yeah. kind of perks are they? <laughs> so, that's your one year. She just got her yeah. first house. Yeah, yeah. She, so it's exciting. It's awesome. We're excited to have everybody here. We're going to talk today about the entrepreneurial roller coaster. We're going to talk a little bit about work-life balance. We're going to talk a little bit about obviously COVID, which is impossible not to somehow mention, but I think this is just a, a good topic to talk about because I think there's a lot of people that would naturally say they have, or they want to be an entrepreneur. I feel like this is now like right now, the gold pinnacle back in the day, it was like everyone wanted to be athletes. Everyone wanted to be all these different things. And I feel like more than ever now you see everyone wanting to just own their own business. And I think people make that mistake sometimes because they don't realize that there's some really good things about owning a business and some really terrible things. Something like COVID happens. I think a lot of people have realized, okay, maybe I don't ever want to own a business <laughs> as well. But just the, you know, the everyday ups and downs of being an entrepreneur is just really difficult at times. And it can also be really lonely. What is kind of, as you look back when you first started your entrepreneurial journey, when was the first, what was the first entrepreneurial move you ever made? Like how young were you? I was in preschool and what did you do? Um, and I started selling jewelry to the people who were babysitting me at, uh, my mom <laughs> went to racquetball practice and I was like selling stuff. Um, and then, uh, you know, I went from there to like kindergarten and kindergarten. I was, uh, selling stuffed animals to the fifth and sixth graders in the back of the bus. So I got to sit in the cool seats. It was a, it was a great moment. But, uh, my first real business, um, I think was probably, you know, in high school and, you know, we, we did, uh, 
smart cards. So my dad actually came up with the concept of having these and he wasn't doing them. So I said, hey, I'll, I'll try to do it. And it was like a discount card where you have like half off a Dunkin' Donuts or 10% off McDonald's or something like that. And I saw lots of different companies doing that. And I said, hey, I could do this myself. And so I had a thousand dollar laminating machine and I went around to each business and said, hey, for $400, you can be on the back of this, this discount card. And uh, then they would say no. And then the next one, hey, we'll do it for 300 now. And kept going until it was like free. So you learned um, what it was like. <laughs> I learned the, the price yeah. things. And some people were like, yeah, I'll do it for 400. And other people were like, no. When it got to free, that they, they jumped on board. Um, and it was really cool because I was able to do those, make those for the school. It cost me like 25 cents to make. We were selling the school for 250 And then the school was selling for $5. So they made you know thousands of dollars just off those. But um, yeah, I mean, I've. It's, it's every minute of every day where I'm walking into a situation and I'm driving down the road and I look at it, I'm like, man, I should really start a lawn mowing company. Or, you know, I wonder how, you know, how plumbers work. Yeah. So you knew at a really young age, obviously, that's that was naturally in your blood, which I feel like kind of is, I feel like there's the difference between feeling like you're, you maybe want to own your business and like it's just in your blood that it's impossible to imagine ever working not even for someone because you always you're working for your employees at all times anyway. But just it's just kind of I feel like naturally in people, certain people. Do you feel like do you feel like being an entrepreneur or an entrepreneurial mind can even be taught, or do you think you normally you either have it naturally or you don't? Yeah, I think every situation is different, um, and it also depends on how you're brought up. Like, is that something that in your family was a reality? Mm -hmm. um, for me, I know Annie, you're the same way. You know, we saw it in our parents. Um, and uh and my family my grandfather my great-grandfather that type of stuff so like that was a reality and, and like going with my dad on a business trip when i was young and seeing you know his secretary and their warehouse and that i was like wow this is so cool like this is something i want to be a part mm -hmm. of so i always thought you know that's really the pinnacle either sales but i mean you know it just depends on where you're at like if you get out of college or you go to school you get a great job and you see you know um, a, a job or an experience that, you know, you love it, it, you can just go forward with that. Mm -hmm. And then maybe something happens along the way. You have one of those, you know, valleys and you're like, Oh crap, this isn't as good as I thought it was. Maybe I need to go in a new direction. But would, and would some of you agree though, that I think it's also we're in this different time right now where it feels like everybody feels like they need to own their own business that I feel like I see a lot more people than ever, like totally not content working for somebody mm -hmm. because they feel like they could just do it themselves or they should do it themselves. And I don't think that's good either. Cause I feel like there's a lot of entrepreneurs that like shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think like the emphasis on having a side hustle, even more so than just like owning your own business mm -hmm. is so like apparent right now. Everyone's mm -hmm. trying to at least having like some other source of income because if like COVID taught yeah. us that, then nothing yeah. is secure a hundred percent. Right. So it's just like, how much more can you push the limits? And I do agree. I don't think everyone should be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of we're seeing the businesses that are falling through the cracks right now who are totally failing mm -hmm. in the midst of COVID. So that's just interesting to see, you know, who's going to survive this and who is maybe, you know, born to yeah. do it versus yeah. not survival of the fittest, if you will. But it's very interesting to see. Yeah, I think that's definitely something that COVID ta taught even me was just you naturally when you when you instantly are taken away from what you do every day and you have some free time what you naturally go to do with your free time really tells you like where your actual passions are mm -hmm. and i feel like a lot of people whether it's even starting a business or like you said there's nothing wrong with just having a side hustle just because you enjoy it i think everyone should have something they do that's not their job 
to just keep him sane. Mm-hmm. And if if you do it well enough that you can make your job great, but it's just beneficial. Like you're you're super into fitness and you're into other things, but like everyone should be do something, right? Like so you don't just have work at all times in your brain. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, people who you know have great ideas, they think they want to be an entrepreneur, doesn't mean that they can't be. Um, even if they can't execute, you know, it's always about putting the right people around you too. Like mm-hmm. you can always have support from others. You can get a team together. So just because like you're, you love working a job for somebody else and you have ideas doesn't mean you can't implement them. It's just that, you know, not everyone can just start off owning their own business right away. Yeah. There's a lot to learn. And I think a lot of people maybe start off thinking it's easier than it is. Oh yeah. And then, you know, you, you have a lot to learn and, and sometimes fail because, some hardships come along or you didn't plan properly mm-hmm. COVID happens which nobody yeah. can plan for yeah. but <laughs> well yeah I think a lot of people see see the boss and see what they see is just the time that they're with them at their normal hours and they see freedom and they see kind of the choice to do whatever you want and different things but they don't see the countless hours that you work at home like on weekends when someone doesn't show up when something's not right, when something has to be repaired, when all, like they don't see all those things. So it always looks super glamorous because it's like, that would be so nice to just make up all the rules. Yeah, but I also have to pay for all the rules. Like, <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, it's always really cool until something especially like this happens. I think the last 10 years more than anything has made, had so many fake entrepreneurs because it's been such an amazing last 10, 15 years of the economy since 2008 that if you couldn't make it, in the last 10 to 12 years, you had no, you have no chance moving forward because it's been so easy. Mm-hmm. This was the first thing that kind of actually slowed some things down for businesses that made them like everyone was affected in some way. But I think it does weed out some of the people that are like, man, in this next chapter, maybe I'd rather just be a general manager or a manager and actually somehow be able to clock out. Like, I don't know what that's like, but it seems like sometimes I would prefer to to be able to clock out. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you like? No, I think there's there's certain people's personalities that are set up where, you know, they don't want the responsibility of a call coming at nine o'clock at night mm-hmm. or, you know, six o'clock in the morning and, hey, this person called off or this happened where they have to deal with all those problems. You know, I think that, you know, that's just how people are built. And, you know, for us, we're really big on the equity partners. Um, and, you know, we, we made a, a pact a little while back that um, our goal, we had big goals. We set huge goals. So our goal for 2027 is $100 million in sales in our organization of all of our companies. But on top of that, we're looking to actually have 30 equity partners. So 30 people who, you know, we date a little bit, you know, they maybe worked for us for two to three years. Mm -hmm. So we really know the person and really feel comfortable with their personality and their values and, you know, how they're driven and and put them in a, a position where, you know, we buy another business or we start another business, put them in charge of it, running it, where it takes the risk away. Cause a lot of people just don't want to, you know, I can't leave my job cause how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going right. to pay my mortgage? How am I going to pay my car payment? Um, so it takes a little bit of the risk away because, you know, I'm shouldering a lot of that, but then they also don't have as much upside. Um, right. but I mean, it, it makes a great situation cause we can put the accounting piece in, we can put the financing piece in, we can put the marketing that maybe aren't really their strong suits and let them, really push their Mm -hmm. uh, operational prowess or whatnot. And I think that's super important. And I think that I see that, that you do that very well in your entrepreneurial journey of, and I've realized this too, how important it is to put people around you, like you said, to do the things that you're not good at. Like I've always, I've always 
not been a fan of the idea of like improving your weaknesses. I feel like you should just go all in on what you do well and have people around you to improve your weaknesses rather than spending time on the things that you're not good at. But I feel like naturally, like you and I are similar in certain aspects of our brain in the manner that we're full of ideas and full of things all the time. But sometimes that the bad part about that is sometimes the employees can leave with like, okay, great. That was all super exciting. Thanks to the pep talk. But what in the world are we supposed to do next? And how important it has been for you to surround yourself with people that can do some of the things that naturally you would not want to do or not do well or whatever? Because I think you do that really well. You're very good at being like, talk to this person about that because I have no clue. You just come <laughs> up with ideas. Yeah. I think um, it actually really came back to uh, looking at like psychological profiles of like you know who I actually am. And um, I remember it was actually this big, when I was working for an accounting firm, this big group came in and they do all these profiles on you. And um, they sat there and they said, look, you know, you're a terrible manager. I'm like, I am not a terrible manager. I'm the best. I'm like number one regional manager in this group. Um, and we said, but what you're really good at is, you know, coming up with ideas. Like they should lock you in a closet for three years and you'll, you'll knock it out of the park. And he's like, you're money motivated. I'm like, I'm not money motivated. I drive a 150,000 mile car, all that type of stuff. But on the flight back, I really started like examining. I was like, maybe I am like the money motivated was maybe more of like a scoreboard. Like, you know, maybe it's not actually having the cash in the bank, but right. like showing that I'm, I'm winning. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, then, you know, even with my entrepreneurial journey, when I started, I thought, okay, I'm the president of the company. I need to sign the checks. I need to make sure the accounting's right. I need to do that type of stuff. And, um, I read a book by Gino Wickman that's called Traction. And it talks about the entrepreneurial operating system and it's like how to run your business. And it was the first time where I heard the term really visionary. Mm -hmm. And it's the person who comes up with the ideas and comes out with a million ideas and then they have an integrator and that person's basically poking holes into all of your crazy ideas. Like mm -hmm. that's not gonna work, that's not gonna work, that's not gonna work. That actually might work. Um, so, you know, they, they drain down, you know, the 150 ideas I come up with a day and, you know, pick out one or two that really right. can, you know, drive forward and letting that person take care of a lot of stuff that I thought as the president of the company, I need to handle, I need to be in charge of everything. And really mm -hmm. it's like, hey, I can be, stay up here in the clouds, deal with big problems, um, you know, see, you know, the vision of where we're going, motivating people, thinking about culture and, and building that up and then have somebody who's maybe, uh, my guy, Jason, uh, I call him pessimistic. He calls himself realistic, but that <laughs> realistic or pessimistic person, depending on who you are, help drive the business. And it's just, um, where they say he's like the yin to my yang. Um, he just, he grounds me and, and changes, you know, my approach on things. And I think it helps the organization as a whole. And that's really what's really pushed us forward in the past, you know, four or five years. Um, you and know, I think we, that realist thing is a great, like a great word. Cause that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's my out. type of personality type. It's like, everything's possible in my head, but there has to sometimes be my wife is my realist when, when I'm, she sometimes has to remind me, but it's super important to have someone that grounds you or else you're just always up in the clouds thinking about the craziest ideas. And they're like, oh, you can't do them all. Someone asked me the other day, like, how do you be that? How do you overcome having so many ideas and being the master of none, but like having so many things you sometimes, as I always said too, in a business, you can't, have every single service possible or else you're not really gonna be known for anything you can't be known for a million things like if you go to a restaurant and there's a million things on the menu items usually they're not very good mm -hmm. you go to a restaurant that has eight things it's probably a really good restaurant and i've always thought about that even as the thing that i can get myself in trouble with is having so many things that i ultimately feel like i probably could succeed in that 
But what happens is if I do a little bit of everything, nothing will succeed. Mm -hmm. So how do you balance, and everyone speaking to this, like how do you balance actually trying to do everything, but deciding what you want? Because for me, it's just, I get bored too quick. Like I just mm -hmm. want to do something else all the time. And like, you just keep starting businesses, but like, how do you even manage that? Like, as soon as you start a new business, your brain power has to leave to go to, to, to it goes away from something else. So how do you, like, how do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's putting that person in, in charge that is running the business. And that's our big thing about equity partners is, mm -hmm. you know, they can drive the business forward and they can reap the benefits of that. Um, so just finding the right, I mean, in every business, it's about the people. It's, you know, finding the people who, who are those rock stars that can really drive the business forward or, you know, maybe can be super organized if that's what you need, or maybe be super salesy if you need them to like recruit for yeah. people or, you know, have come up with crazy ideas if that's what you need. So for me, my, from the visionary standpoint, is not something that I need to be involved in the business every single day. It's like, I need to be involved in the business for a short period. Cause I'll throw so many different ideas. It'll give mm -hmm. them enough work for like six weeks. Yeah. yeah. Um, but finding those, those individuals that work well, you know, within your systems and your organization and drive that forward. And, um, you know, for me, the other thing that started to help me is I now have Bobby, who's my chief of staff, and she's just trying to like keep me a little bit more focused and a little bit more on the rails instead of like always off-roading around. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's definitely helped out. But, um, you know, it's, it's great for me to be able to put somebody in charge and, and run them because, uh, or have them just move forward with the vision of where we're going mm -hmm. because um, I couldn't do all that and I would be failing lots of times and I failed many times. I mean, it's not that I haven't failed and I failed in spectacular fashion. Give us one of your biggest. Uh, so box top three. My, my biggest <laughs> one was probably Boxeroo. So I thought this was the best idea ever. I was going to rent plastic boxes for people who are moving and they're they are awesome. If you ever move with Boxeroos, you're going to think, wow, I can't believe I actually bought cardboard before because from for the price of cardboard, they'll come uh, you drop them off, you pack them all up, you can move them. It's, it's easy to move in and out of the truck. Um, your stuff doesn't break. You leave it on the rain and they aren't going to get wet. Uh, it was just great. And I think I was a little bit ahead of the time. Um, commercial movers use them all the time. And when I started bringing them in, I thought this was awesome. So I went to the bank and I said, um, hopefully he doesn't see this, but I said, <laughs> Hey, I need the $10,000 loan to buy a truck. And he's like, well, think bigger, think bigger. And you just don't say that to me. So I walked out with a $208,000 loan, started developing this brand and never really proved out the brand. And then eventually I was like, look, this is just ridiculous. I'm just going to make the monthly payment and uh, not go on. So yeah, that that was a, a very painful experience. And I didn't go to, I mean, I went to college for a couple semesters and didn't really do that much from an education standpoint. So I feel these uh, big business expenses where we're just, lessons uh yeah the mba classes that i needed yeah it is that's i mean that's where you learn most of the stuff is the failures right no yeah that's uh that was really rough and then um i bought a carpet cleaning franchise because i thought this would be great i could pair it with my same locations and um and my dad was involved and i thought you know this is awesome so uh we we looked at buying another company or buying one of the franchises and my cfo at the time was like don't do it we can't do it and i'm like okay, well, we just made a deal. She's like, okay, we'll just buy one. And then I flew out to the franchisor and got all pumped up and I bought seven more. <laughs> so I didn't listen to the people who are supposed to keep me on the rails. Um, and uh, another friend of mine actually owned one. He said it was great. And then I came back and started up and then he called me and said, hey, I'm getting out, this is terrible. 
and uh, it wasn't really a great business to be in, and it wasn't really a great franchisor to be with. Um, and I mean, that makes a huge difference, the franchisor and the people who are, are guiding and, and leading it. And so after a couple of years, I was like, this is ridiculous. And we shut down and, you know, another $200,000 loss. So you learn. (laughs) And I want to go back for a second. And I want to bring you to in this. I think it's an important part. Working for and with a person, because our personality types are similar. Mm -hmm. Speak to the the leaders and people that also are like us of some of the difficulties and the not so good side of, working with people like us because i want you to speak to people and you can no one's going to get in trouble for anything they say but i think it's important to realize that like being a visionary and being all excited and all that can be great that you need those people to implement things but there's also downsides that i think it's easy as leaders to feel like well i'm going to come up with ideas all day not realizing that a lot of them don't get done and what are some things that make it difficult and how can leaders that are that way lead their teams better hearing it from people that are led by people like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, working with Dave, it's it's funny because I'm also a visionary. We have the same personality types, I guess you could say. So it's almost like being very conscious of that and making myself, you know, being kind of working on your weaknesses to some extent. Yeah. Right. Um, and, and just being aware that, you know, all these all these ideas, they have to trickle down at some point. So at some point you need to sit down and you need to be like, all right, these are awesome. We have a hundred ideas on the table. We have a hundred things we could film, hundred things we could, we could go start a business tomorrow, which I'm sure you probably have like 20 domains to do so <laughs> if we wanted to, which is awesome. But it's like, we need to pick one, which isn't really in my makeup either, but it's kind of forcing me to be like that, which is, it's good to some extent um, because you need to get tangible steps at some point and and start action instead of just kind of festering on, you know, what's what's going to happen next? What's mm-hmm. what, where is this going to go in a week? Am I going to hear about this next week or is it going to be out the window? And sometimes yeah. it is out yeah. the window. And that's okay, but you're kind of learning to to roll with the punches in a way and be like, "Hey, Dave, are we actually going to do this or or more likely, not Dave. Hey, Bobby, do you think that this <laughs> is actually going to happen?" She's like, no. I'm like, cool. I'll put that on the back burner in a Google Doc until we, we circle back in a few months. And that's the way to do it, I think, sometimes. You just need to pick and choose the biggest things and be like, keep you on track. And then have someone else, Bobby, especially for us, have her keep us on track. So it's like, it's so many checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, that's my biggest. I, right, Allison, go for it. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the Bobby and the Jason. Yeah, that's what I'm going to say. She's going to speak in this I'm very I'm the pessimist. <laughs> But I call it realist. realist. I yeah, like it. I definitely call it realist because there is absolutely nothing wrong with having creative ideas. That's an amazing thing that we as humans can do. And I, 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 you know, it's okay to be a visionary. It's okay to come up with a million things. But at the end of the day, you learn, you know, over time, we can focus on these. You can be logical about it. And that's the only way to execute. So getting those people in place that are like able to actually help you realize, you know, the things that you can do right now, the things that you can do later, um, and getting the resources in place to help follow through is great. Uh, but I think like a great team consists of the people who come up with the ideas, the people who execute, the people who, you know, that's why we're all built differently to have different roles in something like that. So, but I'm, I'm definitely the realist. I know you yeah. you come to me with ideas all the time and yeah. I'm thinking in the back of my head that's not going to happen that's not going to happen. Uh-huh. No, and <laughs> yeah. but then there are some where I'm like, "Oh." Yeah, and that's and I think that that's a great part of like I think 
one thing I've always tried to do is I bring ideas to my team and just like let them know kind of what I'm thinking. I'm not like I'm not afraid if someone's going to take an idea either in general, but I feel like there's some of the best things that have ever actually happened might have been an idea of mine, but like they didn't happen because of my idea. They happened by collaborating and letting people be devil's advocate of like, well, have you thought about this? I'm like, mm -mm, I haven't actually. Good point. Or the opposite. Like there's sometimes very people that don't think all the time don't necessarily have the same ideas but i think it's too important because that's what i'm realizing more and more that i have to have some people around me that either can execute or at least help remind me to execute because i don't have a problem executing on things but i just forget to do it mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so it's like sometimes bringing the ideas are more so that someone can remind me that I had it and be like, oh yeah, yeah, we should actually do something yeah, about that. Right. But it is just so important. But I think what's hard about people when they start is like, it's easy to say that now to have your Bobby and have a Jason and all these people. When you start, you're by yourself. <coughs> and I think that that's that really can lead hard to burnout people. too. Like yeah, creatives absolutely. who like try to control all aspects of it and they never actually get anywhere. Then they realize I can't do this. I'm so sick of it. And that's unfortunate because mm -hmm. even though the ideas were great, they just didn't have the, the resources in place to mm -hmm. execute all of them. And yeah. the problem is when you start, you don't have an option. Yeah. That's why it's also really hard for people to get to a spot of delegation because when you start, you are everything and you have to be. But then naturally your ego can tell you that you're the best at them, even if you weren't the best. So as soon as you need to hire someone, you're like, they're not doing it the way that I would do it. Well, yeah, but remember, you weren't the, you're not actually an accountant. Mm -hmm. You're not actually the, like, and, but how do you, what do you say to someone that is new as an entrepreneur that can't hire people yet? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is to use others <laughs> or try to use others. Like, you know, um, you know, family, uh, my wife, my kids, I mean, uh, my friends, my cousins, whatever it is, find people that actually like help you out. We're like, hey, I have this great idea. I think a lot of times as a visionary, if you can cast this vision of this big idea of where we're going and, and what it's going to be, people want to jump on board. People want to be part of something, whether it is, you know, something at church or a business mm -hmm. or a sports league or whatever. People want to be part of that big organization. Mm -hmm. um, so you feel like vision casting is very important. I know. That, yeah, right? I, I think. Why do you feel that's so important? Because I think that's that's what gets people excited. I mean, even to come to work, you know, if, if they have three different options, it's it's uh, if they're just going to whoever gives them a job, then you probably don't really want them. Mm -hmm. But the people who are those rock stars, those A plus players, you have to show them, you know, where you're going and what mm -hmm. it's that organization that they're going to be a part of. Why do people want to go work at Google? Is it just because of the cool snacks, or is it because <laughs> hey, look, this is crazy. Like we're mm -hmm. we're going to change the way people look at the internet and find information and. And I mean, they have. <laughs> and we've um, actually seen that filming with you guys. You know, we've we've definitely noticed like you share your vision with your employees mm -hmm. because that gets them pumped up. They don't just come to work every day for a paycheck. Like they have yeah. a goal because you shared your goal with them. And it's like, it's so good to see the communication there. Yeah, sometimes leaders don't show, yeah. tell, talk to the employee. They talk like their main couple, three people in their top level organization and the other people don't even know. It makes them feel all like a part of the, the main goal. Yeah. Right, right. Like when I graduated college, did I think I was going to work for a junk company? Like, no, yeah. but it's it's like going back <laughs> to keeping the main thing, the main thing. Like, what are your long-term goals as an entrepreneur, or as a person? Mm -hmm. And like, does the company that you're working for or what you're going, you want to start yourself, does it align with those? Does it get you closer to that? Mm -hmm. And I think what you always talk about with people, which I like too, is if it, it, they have to know that there's 
opportunity for growth in the business as well. And the whole having equity partners and all that is exciting to people because it's like you may not necessarily have thought that you would work for a junk company, but it's like maybe you love the idea of managing people and managing this and doing this. Doesn't mean you can't enjoy that mm -hmm. doing it for a company that necess wouldn't necessarily be what you thought you'd work for. Right. And that's why I feel like people sometimes are jumping in so hard to try to own their own business when they're actually doing what they love doing, but they just don't own it. And it's like, if you love your job and you're- Own and, your role. Yeah, the job. Like, <laughs> just, and realize that if you're really good at your role and you keep working hard, you'll keep making more money and eventually you'll make as much money as you need anyway. And you can also still check out every mm -hmm. once in a while, unlike right. an entrepreneur. Like <laughs> people just, I think are, I think contentment is something a lot of people just aren't great at. Mm -hmm. And I'm guilty of that too, but just not being satisfied. Like there's always, but if you're in a job that never has potential for growth, of course you could feel like that, which Absolutely. is why I think you do that great. And letting people know that there's always somewhere else to go just keeps people in general, mm -hmm. rather than thinking, I'm just gonna go to this company and I'm gonna be the smallest on the totem pole and there's no room for growth. No one wants to be a part of that yeah. either. Yeah. You mm -hmm. wanna feel like there's not just, not because I think people aren't just driven by money, they're driven by, titles they're driven by their position there and some people the title matters more to them than even the money they make <laughs> and so understanding the personality types you're around to know what drives people i'm learning is so important because and and realizing that that drive changes when they're older when they have when they're single their drive for what they're going after is different than when they have when they're married and they have kids and understanding how what's so much different in Allison's life that drives her more now than it did is so important as you grow or else you're never going to keep people happy. Mm -hmm. No, I think, uh, yeah, every situation is different. But the thing that is surprising to me is when I go and meet guys for like the first time or, I mean, you guys have been out videoing guys and they're like, what are you going to be? Oh, I'm going to be an entrepreneur. I'm going to be an equity partner. And this is somebody who I haven't even met yet, but yeah. they already, that is their drive. That's what mm -hmm. they see. And, you know, it's throughout our organization. There's guys who I was like, there's no way this person wants to move or whatever. If we have something, they're like, no, you don't understand. I'm ready. I'll go to California. I'll go to <laughs> wherever. Um, they, they're looking for that next adventure because they, they want to grow within the organization. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the other thing, going back to what we were talking about earlier is a lot of times also with my lots of ideas, I think that's how I process. So it doesn't really mean I'm actually doing it. Like, yeah. I'm like, hey, we should start a paving company and um, you know, this is what we should do and boom, boom, boom. That doesn't really mean like, hey, I'm thinking about actually doing it. <laughs> it's just the way I talk. Like other people, they just think it in their head and that's it. I just blurt out what, yeah, what yeah, other yeah. people are thinking. And I think another thing too is teaching employees or educating employees on some of the other stuff that happens within a business because I don't think they really understand that. Mm -hmm. So like what I was just saying, paving, I'm not really starting a paving company, but well. when you see, you know, let's say you're working at a paving company and you're like, oh man, he's getting $10,000 to pave this huge giant driveway. He's pocketing like probably like 7,500 or $8,000 because he's paying me, you know, $100. And you don't think about buying the equipment and you don't yeah. think about the taxes and you don't think about the insurance and you don't yeah. think about the accounting. Um, and I love the exercise that we do with um, our truck team summits where we take $100 and we show them where everything goes because they think that, oh, yeah, you're pocketing 50% of this money. Right. It's like, no, if I was doing that, I would be living in Aruba on a yeah. boat or yeah. it's, it's not Apple. It's not yeah. Salesforce. Um, yeah. It's junk removal. And I think, you know, teaching people that there is all those other expenses and you have to pay for offices and advertising and mm -hmm. cell phones and 
insurance and mm-hmm. everything has a cost. And I don't think uh, a lot of times employees, especially if they're frontline and handling the cash on a regular basis, mm-hmm. they don't really realize all those that comes into a business. Mm-hmm. So we're going to jump into the topic no one really likes hearing about anymore. We're all pretty sick of it, but obviously COVID is, is still in existence, still as annoying as it was from day one, but a serious thing that obviously, you know, is something that I think changed a lot of things. Change business, no question. It's changing education. It's changing a little bit of everything. I want to talk a little less about just how it specifically impacted you rather than what are some things over this time that you've learned, whether it's business, whether it's personal, whether it's just I don't know, anything in the recruiting side, how that has changed things. What are some things that you've really seen that have just been so different that you may now take into the next, once we get out of the whole COVID thing, will help. Any big any big learnings that you've had so far? Well, I think we all thought everything was a lot more secure than it really was. You know, <laughs> it wasn't like, you know, getting groceries or that type of stuff. That wasn't something that I ever thought, what if I couldn't do that? Yeah. Uh, I never planned for the apocalypse. I don't have 500 days of food stored <laughs> under my house or anything like that. But now it makes you think, okay, what what is this? And I think in our own businesses, um, it's the same thing. You know, there's different businesses that got punched in the face and worse than that. They're, they're not even in existence mm-hmm. anymore. And uh, luckily, you know, I haven't been that way, but I mean, it did have a, a big hit at the beginning. But I think, you know, you know over time that there's always going to be a place to make money. There's always going to be a business that needs to be happening. It might be different. And I think COVID just made that happen at a lot quicker pace. So where it might have changed over the next five or seven years, it just happened in six months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's scary, especially if you're one of those people who has a business that was like mm-hmm. just decimated by this. Um, but I think it also puts the fact that, you know, we know as our organization, um, you know, we want to be in a service-based business and we want to be in something that we can just wow the socks off the customer that just give this unbelievable customer service experience. So they're like, I got to use these. If it's not something that is service-based and it's not like, I'm not making widgets or something like that. That's just not how I'm Mm -hmm. built. Um, but there's going to be other opportunities. So if junk removal would disappear, you know, we transition, we come up with a new thing. Maybe we're just the smile makers. We wash your front window and put the smile on your face or whatever it is, like come out with something like that. And I think, you know, that's something that I have, you know, looked at is, you know, what are the new opportunities and where, where else can you make money? Um, but it also has changed, you know, the business and, um, you know, before it was hard to get people. Um, and now it's even harder. Yeah. I was going to say the, the places that have succeeded through this or at least hung on are the ones who are able to adapt change things don't be stuck in the ways you know what i mean like for 100 got junk the contactless junk was something i'm sure had to be thought up really quickly to adapt with the times and then it ended up working and the same with like the technology that companies mm-hmm. are using if you don't adapt then you're not going to make it when stuff like this happens so it was a lot of learning a lot of adapting and i feel like the ones that made it through are the ones that are you know, willing to change things even quickly like that mm-hmm. and then keep it going and, and always have plans for that in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't plan for a pandemic, but you can plan of like, you should always be thinking about like, what what is your biggest threat to put you out of business and yeah. think about how you can come up with 
that thing and put yourself out of business with the next company that would like I think about that all the time like future of video production if if the future of video production is that people can do almost everything themselves in their phone well how can I lead the frontier of teaching people how to not use our service actually makes me win at the end mm -hmm. versus being like you have no chance of doing it yourself you like it's I try to think about what would actually threaten me and create it because someone eventually will put every like when Blockbuster was cruising, they were completely fine. They didn't think of that they might want to adapt to an online type of thing. And they called Netflix a nuisance at the time. <laughs> mm -hmm. And look what happened. Because mm -hmm. someone's eventually going to come up with something that doesn't make your service useful anymore. So how can you constantly adapt to thinking about what that is and come up with it first? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that, yeah, COVID has accelerated. Like COVID obviously is not something you should ever, that hopefully ever has to happen again. But there are always going to be changes to a business and how can you really do it differently? I think we'll come out of this. A lot of companies are going to come out with a lot less buildings in person that people work at, mm -hmm. which is going to save them costs. There's going to be a lot more companies that are currently moving, working from home, which gives them ideas uh, and people now that they can hire that they could have never because a relocation was necessary. Now they can get some of the best people in the country because, hey, you can work from home. Mm -hmm. which never was an option like that changes businesses in a huge way mm -hmm. like it opens up opportunity obviously there are some you know you can't do junk removal online and you know pass it through a computer but you can do things but so that's you're always adapting right like you're always thinking about mm -hmm. what's different and i think it was tough like when we started doing contactless junk removal we're like how are we gonna do this because it's so much of the customer experience mm -hmm. it's you know, shaking their hands and look, and looking them in the face and building that personality. And usually they're there while we're working. So they see how hard we're working mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, how do you even take payment and all that type of stuff. And uh, I think it's it was scary. There's definitely resistance within our organization and outside the organization. Like, how do we do this? And I think, you know, when you're talking about how, do, how I put myself out of business, that is super scary for an entrepreneur because entrepreneurs think they're right. They don't think mm -hmm. it's a big risk to start this business because they think I know all the numbers, I'm going to make it happen. It's going to be easy or, you know, maybe it's going to be a little bit difficult, but I'm going to succeed at, at whatever it is. But when their plan to succeed has to adjust and change, when their plan has to adjust and change, I mean, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow and not all entrepreneurs can do that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think going back too to like becoming your own entrepreneur, and we see that that kind of movement is is increasing, especially from I feel like our generation is like let's work for ourselves, no more nine to five, whatever, whatever. But you take a look at the businesses who did really well during this pandemic, and a lot of them were the service based, the things that people aren't getting college degrees for. Mm -hmm. Like my dad owns a plumbing business, and my brother works for him now. It's an essential service, right? Like those are, it's almost, we're so glamorized. We glamorize entrepreneurship to be like the next big marketing firm or this mm -hmm. or that. When in reality, it's like, these are the, the kind of places that, and the businesses that are gonna thrive, the ones that are essential and that people aren't going into. It makes them even more essential. It makes them even more valuable. And I think that's a valuable point too, of like not, it's not just this massive billion dollar organization. Like you can also just own your own business by yourself for the, your whole life and be completely fine working nine to five and make plenty of money because it's also about what you want to do in life what's mm -hmm. important to you mm -hmm. it, it, the money is not every like there's a lot of miserable people that have a lot of money 
-hmm. and understanding that you can look at some entrepreneur from the outside and be like, they hustle, they do this, they do this, do this. But what is, you don't know what their at home life looks like. You don't know what, what their life looks like in general, other than what you see and don't model someone that you don't actually want to actually live their life. Like just because they're successful and they, you know, there are some people that will preach crazy amount of hustle. Some people will preach work a 20 hour work week. There's not a right answer, but you have to decide like what makes sense for you and don't just look at what is, what is an entrepreneur mm -hmm. because it's, it's different for everybody. People are happy in different things than I am. <laughs> and it would be silly for me to just be them to just try to make it that that would make me happy because it just leaves you pretty empty. I think everybody's opinion or view of an entrepreneur is all skewed by their mm -hmm. experience. Like, did they have a dad who had to work, you know, from what time does your dad leave in the morning? Like 4 a.m. 4 a.m. Yeah. Like, are you kidding me? My kids would be like, are you kidding? <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. But do they have a dad who worked from 4 a.m., came home at 6, and then worked on the books at night till 10 o'clock at night? Um, or did is there entrepreneurial vision like, hey, oh, well, you know, I see these Instagram influencers who have their own business and, mm -hmm. you know, all they do is party all the time and they get they make money right. or, you know, oh, yeah, this person, you know, even myself, we're doing really well. Unbelievable, more than I could ever thought thought of. But they don't know 15 years ago what it's like where right. I'm like literally sitting in the shower like, holy crap, what did I get myself yep. into? I'm losing everything, my house, everything. And, and mm -hmm. that's after putting in 100 hours in a week. Yep. Um, so that stuff we don't really glamorize we glamorize the ending <laughs> yeah. and there's so much stuff that can be put in between there um where it, i mean it's it's a rough roller coaster and uh michael gerber talks about how uh 80 of businesses fail in the first five years and the rest fail in the next five yeah. years so <laughs> it's 80 percent in the second five so really you're looking at like five to ten percent of businesses the last 10 years mm -hmm. and there's lots of people whose jobs have lasted 10 years so it's not as exciting as people think it is, mm -hmm. um, but I think you're, you're right. You have to do what's best for you, what's best for your personality, and your skill set, and mm -hmm. you know you can be super successful. And it ties kind of into the work-life balance thing, which is this never-ending, I think, conversation slash argument. Because I think that in the same way that people look at entrepreneurs a certain way, people think work-life balance looks a certain way, and whatever way they think it looks every other way is wrong so like you can look at someone that works 4 a.m and gets home at 6 and be like they don't spend enough time with their family or you could say well how amazing is their time with their family when they are there because i know some people that might get home every single day at four and be with their family till nine but they're on their phone the entire time is that quality time either is that a good work-life balance just because they're home more so i think it's that's also though hard for people because as a and you know you you work a little bit with your family too so it's also an even more unique dynamic but how do you how do you manage your your work-life balance? How do all of all of you manage work-life balance to be a crazy idea person that always is thinking of something new, but also turning off? <laughs> yeah, I don't, I'm not a good role model. <laughs> uh, it's it's probably the worst thing, you know, especially now when I'm looking at my kids and they're, you know, 22 to 11. And you're like, how? And I think everybody, <laughs> no matter what, it's always going to be how quickly yeah. it, it turns. Uh, but we've had, you know, cool experiences where, you know, we went and visited franchises um, and where we made it like a tour. We're visiting Vancouver, Seattle, San Francisco, Salt Lake City, 
uh, LA, all these different franchises. So, you know, we got to see all these cool cities and, and that was a, a great family experience. But every day I ducked out for, you know, two or three hours to go visit and get shamelessly stealing great ideas, finding people who have awesome ideas and be able to bring them back to my own business. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, for me, I know my wife's going to watch this eventually, <laughs> but I really love what I do. Like I have an extreme passion, so it's not really work. So when I, I don't have like, I don't go fishing and go fishing and feel like, oh yeah, this is great. You know, just sitting here in a boat and doing this real, that doesn't me make too. me exciting. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, go play pool or go bowling or, you know, hunt or all that type of stuff. Like I truly love coming up with the business ideas, thinking them through, thinking the problems out, mm -hmm. thinking of what it could be and, and, and where, where this crazy thing could go. Um, like I just, I just love it. Um, and so for me, it's so cool because it's just like, if you were a fisherman and you got to pick, get paid to go fishing, like how great would life be? Mm -hmm. I'm in that position. I'm in, I'm in like the best of the best situations mm -hmm. that anybody could ever even dream of because I'm doing really well and I'm able to come up with new ideas and that's really what my joy and my passion is. So, you know, when I'm driving down the road and I come up with a new thing, my wife's always like, what are you thinking about? I hate that question because I always tell her and I'm like, man, I think we should uh, start an HVAC company because it's a great idea or we're driving down. I'm like, I wonder how much it costs to install telephone poles. <laughs> um, but like uh, my mind is always thinking, but like, that's really what, you know, I enjoy and I love to do. So, um, it's, it's a totally different thing. Um, and but so it's also the most dangerous spot to be cause like, I love what I do too. And the more you love it, the more that you always look at everything, like it's not actual work, but your kids or family may see it as no, you're always working. So it is a hard balance, but I think there's also, there is positive value of that, of showing your kids like that you can really love what you do. And that if you are in a miserable job that you absolutely hate, you shouldn't be. You shouldn't do something you hate, period. But it is hard. Like I have a five-year-old and a three-year-old and it's no question. Like you have to, you're always kind of trying to, and I just always say like, it's about the communication with your spouse and understanding that there are waves of really, really busy times and there are waves that you're gonna be able to be a little bit more present and just doing the best you can, but realizing that my family, or at least I think my wife, would rather have like a really unbelievably undistracted hour with me than me just saying I'm coming home early. But when I come home early, I work for a bunch of hours on my phone. Mm -hmm. Like, because I think the intentional time is what's important, not just you physically being there. Because everyone's working from home now doesn't mean that they're always home. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I don't know. It's, not, but I feel like that's hard. I feel like it's really hard. The more I feel like it's easier when you don't like what you do because you yeah. can just check out immediately. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Or not even not like what you do, but just, I don't know. Yeah, no, I mean, we've we've pushed to have no meetings on Friday so that, you know, I'm actually home. But the problem is I always break that rule. And, you know, it's definitely, <laughs> meetings. it was something, I, I don't really schedule meetings, but I still do stuff. Yeah, I yeah. go in the office or I go to somewhere and, you know, it's, uh, you know, for us just recently we started scheduling dinner on Monday nights, um, which sounds pretty simple, but when you have kids in sports and mm -hmm. kids working and all that type of stuff, just having a dinner together and putting that phone down, putting that phone away can be, you know, a big difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So last thing I want to talk about, and it's kind of revolving around COVID as well, but experience, education, all that kind of stuff, right? So you're into recruiting and you have to find people, which obviously is very difficult during this time. 
but I think it also kind of ties in with the whole idea of, you know, school starting back up for most people, but it's not really starting up. And this, the education system in general was, was already debated constantly. Mm-hmm. And now it's even more like, well, wait a second. Now people are probably second guessing whether or not they are going to get the same education. Do they need it at all? What, what are your thoughts right now on, let's talk a little bit about recruiting, but like, experience versus education a lot of people when they are either just getting out of school or maybe thinking about going into school they try to decide series listening to me series the worst anyway people are usually trying to get a job out of high school or get a job out of college and but the companies need experience and but how do you get experience without actually working a job and mm-hmm. how how have you seen the education thing since you're someone that you know you guys are relatively fresh out of school in comparison mm-hmm. to us um, especially you, Dave. No, just, <laughs> just kidding. But how, how, do you like old. how do you feel like that? That's that's changing now. Like, do you, like someone that's fresh out of school. Like, if you were going to go into school now and you were entirely online, what would that be like? Yeah. Well, hands-on is really important. I mean, there's a lot of learners that, especially like in the field I went for, which was mm-hmm. the video production. I can't learn that online. Mm-hmm. You have to actually pick up a camera mm-hmm. and you have to like, you know have somebody teach you how to use it mm-hmm. you have to set up a shoot you know all that thing and i just feel like depending on what you're learning maybe depending on the degree some things might not be as good online mm-hmm. um and as far as like experience versus education i know you've seen this a lot like somebody comes out of school with a criminal justice degree and they want to apply for 1-800-GOT-JUNK you're like oh you just wasted four years when you could have had experience doing, yeah. <laughs> doing right. customer service or something but yeah, it's it's kind of like depending on if you actually use your degree to help you with your career, it could be worth it. And then other times I can definitely see where it's kind of like a, you know, you might think it'd be like wasteful of time mm-hmm. when you could have been out getting experience or interning or something like that. Right. Yeah. I feel like if it was, if I was heading into college now, I would definitely take a gap year or do something and try Everyone to utilize. Should. Yeah. Mm-hmm try to utilize like my personal network or something and just be like, can I, can I shadow you at your job or something like that, an internship without experience? Cause I mean, like you can sit on a Zoom call for what, $60,000 for a, for a semester? Like yeah. what? Why don't you just download Masterclass yeah. and, and learn something that, I saw that they're doing like a spinoff of college where you can take like calculus classes and things like that. And the trailer got me excited for calculus. I, I hate yeah. math. But it's like, why would I pay college tuition for that? Mm -hmm. And and experiences too. Like they don't have to be these elaborate internships for like Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. It's all about owning it. So if you work at Chick-fil-A, one of my good friends, he worked at Chick-fil-A because he couldn't get an internship in college. He owned that so much. And he he posted on LinkedIn every single day about Mm -hmm. his experience, his customer interactions. He wrote a book and he's 20. That, you know, I don't even know if it's a great book, but it doesn't matter because yeah. he still owned it. You know, yep. he he owned his experience, and I think that's huge. Doesn't matter what you do, mm-hmm. and that's why I just think is people should, when they get done with high school, take one year, intern and do something when you don't need to make a lot of money because you don't money's not even important. Figure out what you actually like to do, and then decide if college is right for you. But like, because there's so many things, it's like other than the few things these days that need a degree. You, you can intern for four years and work. If, if you were to if you were to think to yourself if someone contacted you and was like I want to pay you $50,000 a year to just shadow you all the time they'd get a better education in that four years and yet they wouldn't have even had to pay you if you just were going to be helpful and around anyway but people don't 
like the experience that you get from things and that's why there's not a such thing as like a bad job when you're young and you just get when you're just starting in this because mm-hmm. you can intern for the worst company ever it doesn't matter you're still gonna learn mm-hmm. you're gonna learn what not to do mm-hmm. you're gonna learn what to do and what they do well that maybe you should implement but people are just I think so stuck and I think parents you know sometimes can be to blame with that because it was different when growing up now and just the education and what we have but I think it'd really be interesting to see like what education how this changes things because I don't think parents are super happy spending the money they're spending now to have their kids sit online and and how will that change moving forward and how will that change everything's already becoming more and more direct to consumer with YouTube and training and learning anything you want anywhere that these professors could end up being entrepreneurs and having their own masterclass that they sell and you get to learn from the best of the best. I, I don't know, it's just mm. interesting. But Technology's making it so much better. Like <laughs> We crazy. were scared as kids. You won't get anywhere unless you go to college. Mm-hmm. Like in high school, they're yeah. like, you will not do anything you want. You will be working at McDonald's flipping burgers if you right. don't go to school. Yeah. I so that scares you into thinking, I need a career right now and I need to pick at 18 and then I'm going to have to do that right? for the rest of my life. Yeah, I remember uh, it was, what, seventh grade. I remember my computer teacher came in, and we were, like, the only people people left in the class were the ones who didn't get invited to, like, the honor ceremony for, like, seventh grade. I was really bad at math, so I didn't make the cut. And he was like, you guys, you need to step it up. Because if you guys don't make it to ceremonies like this, like, you're, you're not going anywhere. And I still remember that moment, like, I still a chip on your shoulder. I still was like, this is stupid, (laughs) and I know it. (laughs) But it's just funny how, you know, perspectives change, and it always does. I think um, two things is one thing, when I was at an accounting firm, um, I remember one time I was interviewing this guy, and he graduated the same year I did high school. And so he was looking for his first job. He had a 4.0, went to Westchester. And, you know, I sat there interviewing him at the restaurant, and now I have – you know, 12 sales reps, 65 offices that I was covering at the time. And I'm like, I'm not even gonna hire this guy because he doesn't have any life experience. And I, I felt bad for the people who are in college, but like if you're in college, then take that time to get those internships, your freshman, sophomore, junior year or whatever, so that you can go out and you can just see what life is a little bit more like. Because then you, when you're in the conversation, you're being interviewed and you can talk intelligently about experiences, that's gonna make you a lot more attractive than just saying, hey, you have a great GPA, but it's just a general business or communications degree. What what do you know about communications? What do you know about business? And they don't. And another one is, so Jason Weaver, my right-hand man that we talked about, you know, he doesn't have a college degree. He jumped on the junk trucks, I think when he was 18 or 19 years old, making $8 an hour, working like 20 hours a week, not even full time. Uh, and now he's running a $15 million business, um, makes a lot more than $8 an hour. But he's learned so much stuff along the way. I would put him up against all the best minds in business because he just has the experience. He understands how things work. And, uh, you know, it's, it's crazy when you take somebody like that who, you know, was working at Walmart or Chick-fil-A, but he has the talent. He has the mm-hmm. skills. He just needed the experience to go with it. Yeah. yeah. And that's why sometimes you got to take chances on people mm-hmm. and realize that some people – like a lot of very successful people didn't go to college or some people went to college and they had great things either. It's more about like people, mm-hmm. like yeah, understanding that. that the right person and the right opportunity, like too many people I think are afraid to make like a terrible hire and what's it going to look like if they hire someone and they're not right. But it's like sometimes you get great people by just trusting your gut. This mm-hmm. person has zero experience whatsoever, but they seem like they – are excited about life and they want to learn 
attitude is so much in, yeah. in, you in life. You can't teach attitude. No, no, no. And, and same with like internships. So many companies require you to be like a senior to get an internship. Like, why not just go work at like a local store or whatever and be like, go above and beyond and kind of turn it into your own internship mm-hmm. or, or something to that capacity. You need to just own what you do. I mean, yeah, you go out what you beyond. put into it. Like or you just go come through work school. Yeah. yeah. Or, or come on the or that. Scott, you're hired interns for free, right? Yeah, well, so, so many people, so many people I think just don't, yeah, they don't give any any effort into something that I always thought it'd be really cool to, to take like, I don't think I'll ever do it, but. I would love to take a year and like film the process of going to work the most entry level job ever at some place like McDonald's. I don't mean, I always call it McDonald's, but I don't mean McDonald's like a mean way, but, and just see by working unbelievably hard and trying your absolute best, how you can rise in any organization. If you actually, because so few people actually do so many people check in and check out and don't give the extra effort that when you see someone that does, you like it's just rare these days Mm -hmm. and i think that when if you actually just give an unbelievable effort into any job you're at good things can happen you could be i mean a general manager at a mcdonald's probably makes decent money but the person that just got this seven dollar an hour job at mcdonald's is probably like i'm here for two months well why don't you just like work really really well See what happens, and then you can always get a job. I have this job. conversation like, with Zach at home every night about Papa John's employees because uh-huh. yeah. it's like, why can't I find them? But the ones that come in are high schoolers who don't care, and they just uh-huh. want some cash from the tips. Mm-hmm. But there are a few gems in the mm-hmm. bunch that are like, I actually want to learn, and I want to apply myself, and then we can talk about like the opportunities in the future. Mm-hmm. People are excited about that. You just mm-hmm. gotta find them. Yep. Yeah, there's only, I think, yeah, you can only teach so much. I think you naturally can kind of get that instinct. Yeah. But then it also goes into could you be, a, could you as a manager continue to pour more vision and do more things that would get people that seem not interested to be interested? There definitely, I think, is a topic about that in general, about how you can hopefully transform people. But anyway, the entrepreneurial roller coaster is quite a wild ride, would you say? Absolutely. Well, any, any big advice you would give to someone that's, think about starting or is starting and a little frustrated right now with situations. Yeah. I mean, have a plan, stick to the plan. And I think the biggest problems on entrepreneurs is usually not following their P and L, not looking at their finances. They think they can just sell, 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 and it'll, they'll get out of it eventually. And that's, that's not usually how it works. You have to monitor expenses and that type of stuff. Um, but and I think actually one of the biggest thing is probably finding a mentor, finding somebody who you can, talk to who's been through this roller coaster before that can calm you down mm-hmm. or you know when you're really excited be like okay well you know put a little bit of money away or when you're really really down and like hey i gotta bail um the only people who get hurt on roller coasters are the ones who jump out halfway mm-hmm. through the ride so um you know i think finding that mentor i have a lot of great mentors um, how would you recommend someone finds one i would uh call you no <laughs> <laughs> so i mean Cause I think a lot of people want mentors, but yeah. people don't like giving out advice. Like they don't like help. See, I think that it's different. I think, think people so? want to give out advice. They want to be able to give people love talk and maybe just my personality, but I sit down and I talk with a guy who owns a vacuum store. And by the end of the thing, I'm, I'm finding all kinds of information out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, just even interacting with somebody at Starbucks and I come back and I'm talking to my wife and she's, she's like, I'm like, Hey, he does like $2.2 million in sales. He has a net profit of 20%. She's like, how do you get people to talk about that? But I think, uh, the real thing is, is, uh, people, uh, want to give advice. You want to be, people want to be known. 
And, um, you know, for me, it was just networking and talking to a couple of people and, and they hooked me up with others. And I have some like awesome mentors. You know, when you're talking about starting at uh, McDonald's, this guy started at Wendy's as a cook after college, graduated there to owning multiple units of Wendy's um, in a very short period of time. He'd be a great person to have on your podcast too. But I mean, there are those stories of people who've done unbelievable jobs. And uh, so, yeah, I, I would, I mean, for me, it's, it's talking to people at church um, so just look, for, just go through your connections. Looking, or even better, try to find somebody. Look on LinkedIn. Look on, you know, the chamber. Look at the newspaper. People who are and, and call the person up. Say, hey, can we have coffee? Mm-hmm. I mean, what does that really hurt? And, and if they know you're not trying to sell, like, hey, I just started a business. It's it's really really small. What do you think? And you know, it's it's been interesting for our ad agency, uh, which I'm a minority put, owner, but. You know our main equity partner she's been reaching out to other agencies say hey could you coach me could you you know mm-hmm. give me some advice about where and everybody's been open to it mm-hmm. like they want to help other people mm-hmm. and you also don't want other people to go through the 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 downfalls mm-hmm. that you've done that's cool any final words yeah I, th- I mean tap into your personal network for mentors and like like i said before just if you do a job, do it, go above and beyond. Someone will notice. Like I was a tour guide and I met some really cool people mm-hmm. who I gave tours to like mm-hmm. reach out, get, make your business card, whatever, give them your number, see if they'll just respond. Like cold call people, mm-hmm. see if they'll answer. What are they going to say? No or not answer? Who cares? Yeah. And that's, uh, I think that's also important to realize that people, there will be people that say no and that you're not going to hear back from and it's okay. You're, mm-hmm. you, if you contact a hundred people and ask for an internship, three might respond and say, sure. Mm-hmm. But, you got to keep just going. And I think people naturally, I always get a sense that I have a bunch of random people that reach out to me about that kind of thing. And it's, you have to realize that there people are very busy and you have to also realize that a lot of people ask them those kind of things. So trying to figure out like, can, do you, if you have no info about people and you can provide some value to them in that initial conversation by understanding what you might be able to help or learn from but also be honest that like i really am i just do want to learn i don't know a lot so i'm not applying for i mean ben who's full-time for us now came on for free moved across the country with no job worked the other job just so he could intern for free and flat out said like he didn't have experience but he wanted to learn and he's willing to do whatever it took like and now he works full-time here that only happens because he was willing to like Attitude, just make it yeah everything and mm-hmm. and not and not try to apply for a job he couldn't work for and not try to make up stories he was like i saw you were hiring i'm not qualified mm-hmm. but i would come for free and work and work another he worked an overnight shift just so he could intern for free during the day like it's that's what you got to do mm-hmm. but people don't want to put in that work right and when you it's do i think that people will take you like when people see someone working that hard it's a it's fun to be around those kind of people because mm-hmm. they inspire you to work harder because like this dude is working for free i better <laughs> i better work harder than than they are so well thanks for being on this is great i think i think this will be hopefully really helpful to some people that are going through some interesting entrepreneurial times right now so thanks for being on the podcast awesome thanks appreciate it yeah so thanks as always for watching if you are new to this channel consider subscribing and commenting below we'd love to have more people on this podcast in the season two of the the podcast we want to interview a lot more people going through different things and different topics different businesses so if you're watching this and you feel like you'd be a great guest or you know someone that would be we would love to have them on the podcast so thanks as always for watching we'll talk to you guys real soon